Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Let's stand and we're just going to look to the word of the Lord. Today is Vision Sunday. In a few minutes, not right now, but in a few minutes, um, the ushers are going to give you something. Looks like this. And uh, I'm going to unpack this in the next few minutes for Vision Sunday. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 3, 5. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered. God gave the increase. So then neither is he who plants anything or he who waters, but it's God. He gives the increase. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive their own reward according to his own labor. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I laid the foundation and others build on it, but let each take heed how he builds. No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear. The day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test each one of our works of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, so as yet through fire. This is the text today, and I'm going to announce the title of my message in just a moment. So I want to hold that. Um, But you may be seated. I want to read this passage from the message. It's not a translation. It's a paraphrase. But see, what I do is I read all the versions, and then I find the one that says what I want it to say, and then that's the one. 1 Corinthians 3, 5. Who do you think Paul is anyway, or Apollos? For that matter, servants, both of us, servants, who waited on you as you gradually learned to entrust our lives, trust your lives to our mutual master. We each carried out our servant assignment. I planted the seed, Apollos watered the plants, but God made you grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who's at the center of the process, but God who makes things grow. Planting and watering are menial servant jobs at minimum wages. What makes them worth doing is the God we are serving. You happen to be God's field in which we are working, or to put it another way, you are God's house. Using the gift God gave me as a good architect, I designed blueprints of palaces putting up the walls. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there's only one foundation. One already laid, that's Jesus Christ. Take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there's going to be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, notice this. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you will be found out. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous. You won't get by with a thing. If your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn out and started over. You won't be torn out. You'll survive, but just barely. Have a nice day. That's such a powerful paraphrase. So what is Vision Sunday? Vision Sunday is the day that I do my best to unpack and reveal our spiritual theme and focus for this new year. My definition of a vision is a compelling picture of the future. 
that inspires passion. A vision is a compelling picture of the future that inspires passion. I will do what I can with words, language, phrases, the word of God, hopefully the anointing of God to present a vision to you that I hope will inspire you with a passion to do something for God, great or small, in 2023. If you want to do something for God this coming, this year, would you say amen? Amen. Vision tells you where you want to go, but it's culture that takes you there. You can have the greatest vision in the world. I can be the greatest communicator in the world and hang you on the stars in the next 30 minutes, which I don't think I could do. But even if I could, if you and I don't have a daily culture that supports that vision, that vision will leak all of its air before you walk out of the restaurant after church today. Because culture eats vision for lunch. There was a wealthy man who had a good relationship with a building contractor. They had this relationship for many years and the contractor had done many projects for him. He had paid him well. They had a good relationship. One day the wealthy man asked the contractor to build a house for him. He showed him the lot. He gave him the blueprints. He gave him the full amount of money, the budget to build, and the contractor began construction. Somewhere along the way, the contractor got to thinking about how he could save a little money, put more money in his pocket. So he started buying cheaper materials than what the, what do you call it in the architectural notes? Uh, uh, blueprint yeah that whatever that is whatever the specifications there we go the specifications called for he started shaving off corners and buying cheaper materials and inferior products and cheaper doors and and less expensive windows and cut corners on insulation and hardware and 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 even the framing and electrical and the plumbing and the HVAC I mean he just lowballed everything and he was lining his pocket when he was finally finished the house looked fantastic on the outside all the aesthetics the paint the shingles, the carpet, everything, put the furniture in it. But behind the walls, under the floors, above the ceiling, and all over this house, there was inferior construction, not his best effort, not top-of-the-line work. This house would not last the way it could have had he built it to specification. So he was a bit chagrined the day that he handed the keys over to the wealthy owner of his new house, his friend, he smiled, but inside he was not proud of what he had done. Here's the key to your new house, he said with a sheepish grin. The wealthy man took the keys, looked at him and said, thank you, but now I have a surprise for you. You've been such a good friend to me over the years. You didn't know it, but you were actually building your own house. Here are the keys, my dear friend. God is the visionary of the church. He's the master builder. He's the purchaser, the owner, the boss, the head, the head of the church. And somehow he uses us. It's amazing. The church is so precious and he uses the likes of me. And you to somehow be workers together with him. And since it's his master plan and his vision and his purpose for the church, he did not consult us in the specifications. He did not ask for our opinion of how he's going to build this church and how he wants it. 
to be put together and the materials that he's going to use in this church. And we do not have authority to change what he's established to augment, adjust, or remodel the church any old way our fancy desires. And here at the Light Church, I think I speak for you when I say we want to be a part of the authentic church. We want to be a part of the church that's talked about in this book. Amen. And let me say that uh, even one step further, that that means that let God be true and every man a liar. And it does not mean that we are exempt from, let's say, man-made ideas and things. But what I'm talking about is the faith that was once delivered to the saints. The Bible says contend for that. And I'm talking about real conversion to Christianity. Amen. Which there is a prescription. There is a specification for that in the word of God. And I will tell you what it is. It was the man that Jesus, you know, Jesus, you know, the founder of the church, the purchaser of the church, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus, let's not let Jesus get in the way of, you know, the church and the theology of the church. But Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom. He's got the keys. That means Peter has to preach the first gospel message to every race of people that are named in the scripture, which for the purpose of the Bible is the Jew, the Gentile and the Samaritan. And it's Peter that has to bring that gospel message. He's there on the day of Pentecost when the Jews received the Holy Ghost. He's there in Samaria in Acts chapter 8 when the Samaritans received the Holy Ghost. He's there in chapter 10 when the Gentiles and Cornelius received the Holy Ghost. And here's the message that he preached. And I have to preach it to you today because it's the word of God. I don't have authority to change it. I don't have authority to water it down. I wish I could make it different. I wish I could make it easier. I wish I could make it more palatable maybe for traditional Pentecostals who, you know, don't really read the Bible, uh, that don't really study the Bible. I wish I could make it more palatable for for the denominational uh, people that are out there maybe watching today. Or if you're today here from a religious tradition, I cannot water it down. I have to tell you what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Amen. He said, repent of your sins and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost. Do you believe that message today? That's what Peter said. And we want the real church. We want the real deal. We want a church that is strong. We want a church that is solid. We want a church that when the fires of life come, it'll burn up the wood, the hay, and the stubble. But the gold, the silver, and the precious stone, amen, that Paul preached about will only get better. It'll only get pure. It'll only become more refined. Come on. I'm going to tell you something today. The fires of the world will not burn you down. They will burn you up. Praise God. They will not pull you down. They will purify you. If you're built on the rock, if you're built with gold and silver, you won't get worse. You'll get better. Trials will make you stronger. Trials will make you better. Difficulties, amen, will strengthen you in the Lord. We must remember that whatever kind of a church we build with Christ, we're going to be living in it. Here's the keys. What is a local church? A local church is a gathering of born-again believers for the purpose of edification, which we're having today, and mission. We're having that today, our purpose. Ask somebody next to you, ask them, say, do you have a purpose? That was sort of weak. Ask somebody else, do you have a purpose? That was a little better. Somebody said, yeah, I got a purpose. What time is lunch? A local church is not a random gathering of believers, but a real church is a gathering of people who love each other, who are being fitly framed together. They understand their purpose or their reason 
for incorporating themselves in the community. There's a difference between being gathered and being assembled. You can have a gathering of a box of Legos, but assembling them and making something out of them is quite different. If God is building the church, as Paul said, then we must find our place and become, to use the scripture language, fitly framed together so that the church is built the way God intended it. For example, God did not allow Noah to build that ark any old way he wanted to. Can you imagine an ark 600 feet long, 75 feet wide, 40 feet tall, and no black and decker anything? And God said, this is how long I want it. This is how wide I want it. This is how high I want it. I want one window. I want one door. He didn't leave it up to Noah. The ark was not extravagant. It was not beautiful. It was simple, functional, efficient, sturdy, watertight, and worthy enough to float for one year and 17 days. And it landed high and dry on Mount Ararat. What if Noah would have built that ark the way he wanted to? Well, God, I don't, I don't know. Go for wood? Eh, I don't know. You know, this and that. Challenging God, debating with God, throwing this out, pulling this in. Noah would have never made it unless he would have built it exactly the way God wanted him to build it. Can I have a better amen right there? I believe that. God told Moses exactly how he wanted the tabernacle to be built. Moses did not build it the way he wanted to. When Moses was finished, the Bible said the glory of God came down in a cloud. The glory was a visible sign to Moses and the congregation that they had obeyed God. About 30 minutes ago, there was, there still is, but there was a manifestation of the glory. I felt it. The glory of God, the presence of God is still here. Let's just lift our hands right now and worship. Come on. Amen. Are you in the church today? Are you glad to be in the church? Hallelujah. When the church is built according to the, to the prescription of God, the glory will come down. Amen. Somebody pray, Lord, send the glory. Somebody pray, Lord, show me the glory. Lord, we want the manifested glory of God. We want the presence of God. Reveal to us today, Lord, that you are the builder of the church. Lord, you are, you are the builder. You are the architect. You are the master builder of the church. Praise God. Let's clap our hands to the Lord and rejoice. Amen. Praise God. Amen. There are three big ideas the Bible presents about the church. One, the church are the called out ambassadors to represent God in this world. Turn around and say, you're an ambassador. Secondly, the church is in the people business. Everybody say the people business. Or if you're from Arkansas, the people business. We're in the people business, and the people business is the redemption business. I got an amen from Brandon, praise God. <laughs> A Jayhawk fan. Amen. I love Brandon. And thirdly, the church, by the nature of the call of God, has a mission. These are the three big ideas of the church in the word of God. We are ambassadors. We are in the people business, is the redemption business. And the church is on a mission. We should be missional. And we are on the mission to go make disciples of all nations and baptize. I know the scripture says, except the Lord build the house, we labor in vain to build it. The Lord is building the church just as he said he would. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Lord is building his church in the sense that I cannot add one person to the body of Christ and neither can you. 
Only God can save lost people when they obey his gospel. But then you and I can love them and disciple them and come alongside them and believe in them and help them move into their new life. Can you say amen? So however God and Paul see this metaphor of building the church, we're involved, we're in it. I don't care what you do that's great or small, you're in it. You're a part of it. We need you. We need you to be who you are in Christ. We need you to fulfill his mission in your life. So if we are helping him build the church, let's make sure we're building it according to the specifications of the blueprints envisioned by God. So last year, our overarching theme was building a New Testament church. And this last year, I read the book of Acts through I don't know how many times. And reading that book, I realized afresh and anew that it records the birth and the first few decades of the church. I read it through the lens of operations and behaviors and impact on the first century community that they lived in. Perhaps the biggest revelation I received during reading the book of Acts last year was that 99% of all conversions to the apostolic church in the book of Acts were by religious people. It was religious people that got saved. <laughs> Let me tell you how this works. I say something profound and awesome. 99% of everybody that got saved in the book of Acts were religious. Yeah. Chapter 2, verse 5, devout Jews. Devout means religious. Chapter 8, Philip goes to Samaria. They're religious. We know because of John 4, Jesus' conversation with the woman of Samaria at the well. We worship. She's debating worship. We worship. You worship. All religious people worship. Jesus said, you don't know what you're worshiping. Acts chapter 10, if you don't think Cornelius wasn't religious, he prayed to God always, he gave, he feared God with all his house. And what qualifications he had, Acts chapter 19, Paul comes to the Ephesian elders and they're disciples of John the Baptist, who's been dead for 20 years. They're religious people. But guess what? God is breaking in right now on religious people in this world. And religious people that are really hungry are getting revelation and understanding. Apollos was religious, but God sent Aquila and Priscilla, and they expounded unto him the word of God more carefully. I want you to know you're friends, and we thank God we're not taking anything away from anybody's Christianity. But I'm telling you, God's got one church. He's building one church with one gospel. There's one Lord, one faith. There's just one baptism and one God who's above all and in you all and through you all and revelation is breaking into this world today on religious people. Religious people. It's our prophetic destiny based on the word of God. Wow. That was probably the biggest hit that hit me this last year studying the first church. In fact, the Bible says in Acts 6, 7, a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. Whew. I'm praying for that. I'm believing that entire congregations in Kansas City are going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. Baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. Baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. Hallelujah. You know what's good about religious people? If they really are, discipleship is a breeze. It's a piece of cake. When religious people get saved because they love God. They've been serving God a long time. They got good stuff in their life. They got junk out of their life. They're, they, they've 
they've actually manifested, the, many of them, the fruit of repentance. So we don't take anything away from anyone. But God has more for all of us. Amen. So, let me get to the vision. Acts 2.46. Ah, so much I want to say. Acts 2.46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Did that first century impact their community? The Bible said, their enemy said, you filled all Jerusalem with your doctrine. They said, you went everywhere preaching the word. They said, you turned the world upside down. In two years, the entire region of Asia heard the gospel. The Bible says eight times in the book of Acts, something like the word of God grew and multiplied. That means they went out and bought big family Bibles. When I said that, I looked at somebody, he went, that's what I thought when I first read it. How does the word of God grow? They got bigger Bibles. <laughs> what that means is they were, they were taking the word. They didn't even have Bibles. They had like one Bible in the synagogue. And they were taking the word that the apostles were preaching. Listen to this. The book of Acts, the Bible says, disciples multiplied. Everybody say multiply. multiply. Let me ask you stockholders at the Life Church. Have you ever seen disciples multiplied? I never have. I want to. That's why I'm casting vision today. Guess what? If I baptize a disciple in 2023 and Mark baptizes a disciple, and Jeff baptizes a disciple, and Les baptizes a disciple, and Nicole baptizes a disciple, and David baptizes a disciple, and we all baptize disciples. If everybody in this house today baptized one disciple in 2023, I could say that we have finally achieved Book of Acts status where the disciples are multiplying. I have never seen it. I have never seen it. I'm praying, Lord, before I go see you, I want to see the disciples multiply. And you know what will happen if disciples multiply? The Bible says it. The churches multiplied. That's staggering. They didn't just add churches. They multiplied churches. You start cataloging, cataloging the book of Acts and the epistles and all the churches that were being planted Churches multiplied. Listen, how did this happen? Listen to these three descriptors of the first century believers. This isn't just the preachers. This is everybody. They were addicted to the ministry. There's a good addiction for you. <laughs> Come on, celebrate recovery. Let's go get addicted to the ministry. Yeah. It's addicting when you start baptizing people in Jesus' name. It's addicting when you start preaching the word and sinners repent of their sins. It's addicting when you lay hands on the sick and you see miracles. It's addicting when you really get into the ministry of the book of Acts church. You can't stop it. You got to go have another fix. You got to go get another high. Man, I should have just preached that today. Addicted to the ministry. Listen to this. They hazarded their lives for the gospel. Hazarded. I mentioned they went everywhere preaching the word. So did you pay attention to Acts 2, 46, 47? Were they united? Yes. 
Were they eating together? Yes. That means they were Pentecostal. Were they keeping it simple? Yes. Were they praising God? Yes. Did they have favor with the community? Yes. Was the Lord adding daily? Yes. But don't miss the key word. Don't miss the key word. The key word is, starts with a D. Daily. The early church were not CEOs. Christmas and Easter only. The first century believers were a daily, not a Sunday only church. They were a daily church. So I want my astute usher staff to begin to pass out a little brochure. It's entitled Becoming a Daily New Testament Church. We did not buy this off the internet. Pastor Justin, Pastor Nathan, and I created the trifold. Gentlemen, pay attention. This, the trifold. This is what I want. Thank you. And let me also say that there are two other things you can take with you today. I'll, I'll talk about them in a minute. Okay? This is different, isn't it? Not every Sunday you get a trifold. But this unpacks our vision for 2023. I want you to turn to a very specific person and say, give me five. And give them five. Give me five. Turn to somebody else. Try it with the left hand. Give me five. It works with either hand. Becoming a daily New Testament church. Can I open this up with me, please? The 2023 vision of the life church. Please open it to this part right here. On the left side. What is our purpose for Give Me Five? It is an intentional plan to create first century apostolic behavior in our daily lives. Okay? We're not a weekly church. A daily church. Now, open it up like this. The middle. What's the biblical prescription? So continuing, everybody said daily. daily. How do they do it? With one accord, breaking bread, going out to eat, having fellowship. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They praised God. They were worshipers. They're having favor with all the community. And the Lord added to the church daily. Everybody say daily. daily. How could the Lord add to the church daily? There's only one way. They were a daily church. God needs you and I to add to the church. We have to become a daily church if the Lord's going to add daily to the church. Does that make sense? The church gathers weekly. The middle, uh, darkened part in the middle. But we are the church daily. The ministry continues when we exit the parking lot. In fact, if you'll notice a sign on the right when you drive out, it's the mission. Go make disciples. The best disciple-making does not happen here in this building. That went over like a flock of dogs. The most effective disciple-making does not happen in classes where there's 30 people and one teacher. It happens when we become somebody's friend. Jesus was the friend of sinners. And he turned sinners into friends and friends into disciples. That's the plan. That's Matthew eleven nineteen. 19. 
So the ministry continues when we drive off the campus. Here's the plan. Number one, purpose in your heart to become a daily disciple. Number two, prepare to impact the culture and community with your beautiful, wonderful, gorgeous life. Your life is amazing. And somebody out there wants to be more like you than what you're willing to admit. Oh, yeah, they do. They do. Number four, pray for apostolic ministry. What does that mean? That means to be used by God to see miracles, to have God show up. Can I give you a little teaching moment right here? Let me give you a question. You can ask anybody when they bring up a crisis in their life. Somebody just gets done saying, my grandma has cancer at stage four. Don't ignore that. File it in the back of your mind in the conversation. I don't care if you've met him for the first time. Ask him the question. If God was to do a miracle in your life, what would that look like? Just pray for your grandma right now. That'll earn you the right. That'll give you permission to get their phone number. I want to check on you in about a week. Check on grandma. See what's going on. Everybody okay? This is a daily church. So here are, here are the protocols. Here are the give me five. Go back to the front. Isn't that a cool design Brother Nathan did? Give me five, okay? Then turn it sideways like this. Five what? Five Bible studies, five prayers on location, five spiritual conversations, five social invitations, five acts of service. All I'm asking for is five, not a week. In the next 12 months, pick five. That's all I'm asking for. How many could have at least five spiritual conversations with people that need to obey the gospel in the next 12 months? Come on. Even the most introverted person can do that. And I'm married to her. <laughs> She's watching. Love you, baby. She does it. She will do it. All right. Five Bible studies, not like five, 12 lesson Bible studies. I'm talking about five. Either a prescribed Bible study, Brother Gary Morgans can give you one if you need one, or five on the spot Bible studies. If you have a phone, you should have a Bible app. If you have a Bible app, you got a Bible everywhere you go. You bring the word of God into the conversation because nobody's going to move forward without the word. Five Bible studies. How do I give a Bible study? Tell your story and throw a few scriptures in it. <laughs> That's like for people that are deep theologians like me. You tell your story. And you use the word of God. All right. Five prayers on location. Let's take prayer out of the prayer room. And let's put it on location. That's book of Acts. That's biblical. Put it on location. If you don't like something that's going on, bring prayer to the face of it. I could tell lots of stories about prayer on location. Bring prayer on location. Bring it to your school. Bring it to your work. Bring it to, the, bring it to City Hall. Bring it to any, play, any house you're walking into. I come into this house in the name of Jesus Christ. When you're driving around, amen, let's, let's do some prayer drives. No more drive-by shootings. How about some drive-by prayers? Drive-by prayers. <laughs> See what God will do. Come on. Take prayer to your neighborhood. When you're walking the dog, don't just walk the dog. Pray. Five spiritual conversations. Turn the, turn the conversation toward the Lord, toward the word. Five social invitations. That means build relationships. That's all that is. Go to coffee with somebody. Go to lunch with somebody. If you can't do that five times, Come out from the rock you're living under. It's not COVID anymore. Five acts of service. Find a way to do something where there's no 
remuneration. There's no expectation of a return. Just be kind. Just be kind. How many knows this world could use a little more kindness? Be kind. Be Christ-like. Five acts of service. All right. So getting back to the protocols, I'm trying to explain all of these things. Um, Then on the back, it says potential. These are some of the potentials. I mean, that's a numbers game. That really doesn't mean much unless we are going to become a daily church. But think of the possibilities. If I got 150 people here today to say in the next 12 months, I'm going to give you five, Pastor. I'm going to give God five of these first century behaviors. Fellowship, prayer, the word, serving. Are you with me? Can we become a daily church? What would happen if a hundred people would give five Bible studies, 500 Bible studies? What would happen if a hundred people did five prayers on location, 500 prayers on location? And if you do five, I guarantee you you won't stop with five because you'll get addicted to it. And you see God do something. Everybody all right? So you have this. And then at the front in these buckets, there are two things that look like this. The heavier one is a refrigerator magnet. Okay? Give me five. You put it on your fridge. And it will remind you every day of your attempting to become a daily apostolic Christian. This is a sticker, and it's peel and stick. And Brother Nathan says, when it's on, it's on. So be careful where you put it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put mine right here. <laughs> on your mirror, your car, your dashboard. You might put it on, uh, you might want to stick it inside your Bible, maybe on a, on a piece of paper folded and then put it right where you're going to see it every day. I don't know where you're going to put it on your desk, somewhere that you're going to see it every day. So we have some in these buckets. And then when you leave today, there's going to be ushers at the doors and you can tell them you want a refrigerator magnet or a sticker. And I'll tell you a great place for it is on your mirror where you brush your teeth every morning. I think you could probably get it off the mirror with some elbow grease and soap and water. But anyway, so we're going to try to help you. So let's stand. A little bit unusual. But I've put a vision, the vision. For 2023, I'm excited about the possibilities. I'll tell you when we know that we are a daily church is when we're baptizing five or 10 or 12 every Sunday. I'll tell you how we'll know when we're a daily church when we baptize 365. We've never baptized 365 in one year. Church this size, we can baptize 365, one representing every day. How many we baptized last Sunday, Brother Gary? So we're, we're, we're five behind. We baptized two last Sunday. But we can make it up next week if we'll all become a daily church. Come on, are you just going to go to heaven all by yourself or do you want to baptize somebody? I've never seen disciples multiply. I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to see what would that be like? What would that be like? Let me tell you, when revival hits a church, can you handle it? When revival, when, when multiplication hits the church, can you handle it? Are you going to be okay with it? Come on, are you going to be okay with it? Huh? 
Is it going to be all right? Because I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be messy. <laughs> and when the church hits multiplication, we'll never be able to disciple all of it. But we're going to do the best we can. Come here, Les. Les has a heart for lost people. And he, he ministers to people I cannot connect with. I don't know how to communicate with because I don't know where they've been. Les is probably baptized 60, 65. We just buried one, overdosed on fentanyl. If he'd have stayed here, he might have made it. But unless you gave him the gospel and you baptized him and he received the Holy Ghost. Paul, I loved Paul. Paul, I felt love coming out of Paul for us. I don't understand all that. I hope that he made it. I'm not being God here today. But I'm saying that somebody's hanging on you today. Amen. You've got a message. You've got a testimony. You've got a word. It's time to become the Daily Church of Kansas City. We might even change our name to the Daily Apostolic Church of Kansas City. Come on. Who's, who's with me today? Who's with me today? Come on. Let's become a daily church. A daily church. I'm, stay here. I'm, I'm, I've asked God for 150 commitments today. I need 150 people to say, Pastor, God being my helper, I'm going to reach for daily behavior of the first century church. I'm going to reach for it. Not weekly, not traditional stuff. I'm reaching for the first century. I want to catch the impulse of my apostolic fathers. I want 150 at least. Would you come and join me right now? Come on. Come on. Come on. This is exciting. We're not going to be perfect. Come on. Press in. Others are coming behind you. But we're going to reach for it. Turn to somebody. Say, we're going to reach for it. Turn to somebody. Say, give me five. Come on. Give me five. I love this. Keep coming, because there's folks coming down that aisle. Oh, there's way more than 150. There's 200 already. If you can't get up here, just come as far forward as you can. I feel, I feel God wanting to do something today, because we're going back to the first century. We're going back to the beginning. We're going back to the fathers. We're going back to the impulse. Praise God. We don't want traditional Pentecost. We want authentic first century apostolic church behavior. Come on, somebody lift your hands and say, this year I'm going to baptize. I'm going to baptize somebody. I'm going to baptize my disciple. Come on, let your voice out. Let's pray. Say, God, we're going back to the beginning. We're going back, Lord, to where the first church was. We're going back to the attitude, the behavior, Lord. Shake us. Lord, shake us out of our complacency. Shake us, Lord, out of our traditions and get us back, Lord, to the beginning. Hallelujah. I like what I feel happening right now. I like the passion that's here. I like the purpose that's here. I like, I like what I see and feel right now. Come on. Let's go back. Let's go back. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, give Jesus five. Just give him five. Give him five. Give him a lousy five. Come on, anybody can do this. Give him five. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. That's it, VSM. Let's go. Let's go, VSM. Let's go. It's time for you to baptize. It's time for you to have the anointing of disciple making come upon you. Don't throw your life away. Come on, let's go. Let's go, God, you being my helper. Lord, I'm going to put these reminders in my life. I'm going to put, Lord God, this brochure in my Bible. I'm going to pray over it. 
I'm going to start making some notes. I'm going to start making some lists, Lord. I'm going to be purposeful with my life. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hand on somebody's shoulder right now. Say, we're going to do this. We're going to do this together. Hallelujah. We're going to do this together as a church, as a congregation. Come on, let's go. God's changing minds right now. God's changing some lives right now. Come on, let your soul catch on fire. Come on, some of us are going through hell. Just keep going. Come on, if you're going through hell, just keep going. You'll come out of hell and you'll start walking in heavenly places together with the Lord. Come on, that's it. Let's go. Let's get on the mission. Disciple your children. Disciple your grandchildren. I want to see some grandfathers and grandmothers baptize your children and your grandchildren. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, you go with us. You will go with us. Lord, you said if we'll get on the mission, you will go with us all the way, even to the end of the earth. <laughs> Come on, Jesus is here right now. Jesus is here, the purchaser of the church the founder of the church, the visionary of the church. He's given you the power to do this. <laughs> yes. Mm. Come on, let's give him five. Let's give him five and 23. something moving right now. The Holy Spirit is moving among us. Bringing us conviction. Bringing us inspiration. Bringing us direction. Hallelujah. Lord, we're the church. We're united. We're together, Lord. Nothing will divide us. Nothing will conquer us. Lord, we're excited what's going to happen in the next 12 months. New faces. New families. Lord, more stories. Hallelujah. Miracles. Wonders. Signs. Baptisms, infilling of the Holy Ghost. Glory. Oh, somebody just let your let your Holy Ghost out. The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. The Holy Spirit is a go spirit. The Holy Spirit is a truth preaching spirit. The Holy Spirit, hallelujah. Oh. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. That's it. Come on, that's it. Let's go make disciples. Let's go teach the word. Let's take prayer to the streets. Come on, let's put prayer on location. Let's serve our community. Let's serve our neighbors. Let's make a difference somewhere.
God is with us. God is with us. Come on, if you prayed about this, I want you to clap your hands to the Lord and seal it now. Seal it with a praise. Seal it with a shout. Seal it with victory. We will never be the same again. We're going to give you five. Come on, somebody high five Jesus. Jesus, I'm giving you five. I'm going to give you five. Jesus' name. I want the band and the praise team to come up here and go back to that first song we sang today. Listen, listen. If it'll happen in here, it'll happen out there. But if it doesn't happen in here, it won't happen out there for you. This is the place to start. This is the place to experiment. If you're going to fail, fail in here. But nobody fails when you reach to obey the Lord. Look, I can't heal anybody. You can't heal anybody. But that doesn't stop me from praying for people that are sick. Huh? I'm not the healer. Jesus is the healer. And he's here right now. All right, listen. If you have pain in your body, I want you to raise your hand if you have pain. If you have pain. Look at this. Look around, people. Everybody that has a hand up, they've got pain. Look around. They got pain. That's 50 people have pain. Anybody over here have pain? Raise your hand. All right, look around now. I want somebody to go stand in front of everybody with their hand in the air or come alongside them. And you're going to lay hands on them in just a moment. And you're going to command that pain to go. Now listen, you got to believe the person praying for you is a man or a woman of God and that God's going to use their prayers. All right? Everybody, get in front of somebody that's got their hand raised. It's going to happen in here, and guess what? It's going to happen out there. Come on, somebody say, it's going to happen in here. Say, it's going to happen out there. Now I want you to lay your hand on them and say by the authority of the word of God and according to the power of the name of Jesus. Come on, speak that. I command this pain to go. That's it, command it to leave. Command it to leave. Command it to go in Jesus' name. That's it, speak it. Listen carefully. Listen. Let me have your attention just for a minute. If you raise your hand because you had pain and you were prayed for, I want you to check your body right now and see if the pain is gone. See if the pain is gone. If the pain is gone, I want you to lift both hands right now. Lift both hands. Gone. 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 Come on. Gone. Gone, Brother Terry. 
Gone? Gone, Lexi? Pain's gone? Come on, is he a healer? Is he a healer? If it works in here, it'll work out there. He will go with you if you go on the mission. Listen, the Lord just spoke to me. The Lord just spoke to me. This is for somebody right now. Please listen. When Jesus gave the great commission in Matthew 28, he said, go and baptize and make disciples. And he said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let me tell you what the Lord just said that means. The end of the age is a Hebrew idiom. That means no matter how bad it gets, no matter if it looks like the world is coming to an end. He said, if you're on my mission, I'm going to be there. I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to work with you. Come on. He's with us. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.